and welcome to the second episode of the Garden History Podcast. My name's Adverley Richmond and I'm a garden, landscape and social historian. In the following episodes, I'm going to be taking you through my A to Z of garden history based on the people, plants, places and features which you might find in and around the subject of garden history. Today is the letter B for Bastion. Now, throughout the long history of gardens, there have always been innovators who tended to do their own thing just because they could. Well, during the 18th century, there was a flurry of military-inspired symbolism, both in architecture and garden design. Historically, French and Dutch garden designers were very familiar with military textbooks which featured fortification designs. In fact, if I may digress just for a moment, the ha-ha or dry ditch, which some of you will be familiar with, was originally a French military application in battle. And this barrier became a very popular feature in many mid to late 18th century gardens during the English landscape movement. The ha-ha enabled livestock to graze close to the mansion without the need for fences thereby maintaining uninterrupted views across the landscape and out into the countryside. Similarly, bastions were adopted from a more formal military defence and they are the outward projections from the curtain wall of a fortification. In garden history, the bastion garden was a rounded or arrow-shaped structure which projected out at a change in level, providing a raised viewing platform on a circuit walk. And from these vantage points, the visitor was rewarded with prospects of the park and wider landscape. And in terms of function, a bastion was not dissimilar to the 16th century Elizabethan mount, which served the same purpose in their enclosed gardens. These militaristic gardens were popular, especially amongst the military-minded families who had distinguished themselves in a series of battles and campaigns. Three interesting examples of the bastion feature in gardens came from the church hills of Blenheim Palace in Oxfordshire, the Berties of Grimsthorpe Castle in Lincolnshire and Thomas Goldney of Goldney Hall in Bristol. Blenheim Palace was built in the early 18th century in part as a gift from Queen Anne and a very grateful nation for John Churchill, the first Duke of Marlborough, following his victorious campaign over the French at the Battle of Blenheim in 1704. Sections of the palace were decorated with a variety of weaponry, drums and flags and the plan for the gardens to accompany this heroic gift showed a 70-acre military garden to the south of the palace, which had been designed in 1705. They included a rectangular parterre and a large hexagonal formal layout, with a total of eight rounded bastions. The archway entrance into the palace shows a cockerel, which is the emblem of France, and is being subdued by a British lion. 
and by adopting such imagery and symbolism throughout their mansion and gardens, the family were able to subtly display their military credentials and triumphs. But exactly just how much of these garden plans were actually executed is unclear. However, in the heatwave of 2019 last year, the scorched landscape revealed the outlines of the lost military gardens. All of this was later redesigned in the 1760s when the landscape designer Lancelot Brown removed the military garden and laid it to grass in the new, more naturalistic landscape style, which was trending at that time. And as Winston Churchill, who was born at Blenheim Palace, once said, war is the normal occupation of man, war and gardening. So having been nurtured, surrounded by such a rich seam of military and gardening history, I think his sentiments are unsurprising. The second example at Grimsthorpe Castle for the Duke and Duchess of Ancaster was the work of landscape designer and author Stephen Switzer. In the early part of the 18th century, he created a series of 10 remarkable radial projections terminating in arrowhead bastions. Again, these militaristic overtones serve to emphasise the military traditions of the Bertie family, and in fact, their coat of arms depicts three battering rams. But on a slightly more human scale, Thomas Goldney III, a wealthy merchant from Bristol, built a single rounded mock bastion terrace in his garden at Goldney Hall. And from this raised terrace, there were extensive views across the city of Bristol. And Thomas Goldney was even able to observe his ships coming and going in the distant harbour. Today, the garden and bastion remain at Goldney Hall, but housing developments and overgrown trees have now obscured the once magnificent views. Nevertheless, military-minded landscape architects and professional designers such as Sir John Vanbrugh, Charles Bridgman, Stephen Switzer and amateurs like Thomas Goldney all adapted the traditions and ideas of mock fortifications and introduced them into the English garden. The military garden might have been a fleeting fad but it forms part of the garden history story which has contributed to the ongoing changes and innovations that have shaped our historic designed landscapes. For a preview of some of the letters which I covered last year, you can go to my pinned tweet at Adverley R and there you can see an image of the Goldney Hall Bastion Terrace, including a link to the plan of the lost military garden at Blenheim Palace. You can also take a look at the podcast page at adverley.co.uk where you can see an image of the Duchess's Bastion Garden at Grimsthorpe Castle. Thank you for listening to the Garden History Podcast and I hope you enjoyed it. Please do join me again for the next episode and until then, thank you and goodbye.